Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Ladies and gents, we have such a special guest on the show today. She is a dear friend of mine, also one of my beloved doctors, Dr. Ashley Heinz. Dr. Ashley Heinz. Hi. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I love you. Oh my God. I adore you beyond. (laughs) Dr. Ashley Heinz is a doctor of Chinese medicine, a licensed acupuncturist in the state of Florida and nationally board certified by the national certification commission for acupuncture and oriental medicine. She has over 10 years of experience in Chinese medicine and has been in private practice in Tampa for over seven years. Her treatment philosophy is to educate and empower every patient to realize their body's own healing potential. Before beginning her master's program, Dr. Heinz had the unique experience of working under acupuncture physicians that treated the majority of their patients in only one to four sessions, which is incredible. These mentors and this exposure to rapid healing and the power of one acupuncture treatment is what ignited her passion for Chinese medicine and led her to pursue it as a career. You're so cool. (laughs) You made me sound cool. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just delivering the message. This is all you, baby girl. So how are you? How's your day? Oh, wonderful. How's your day? It's amazing. I am recording from Nashville. I'm here to um, celebrate a dear friend of mine who is um, expecting a baby girl. So it's the first time we've all been together since the pandemic, really. I thought I just saw you yesterday and now you're in Nashville. That's crazy. This is true. This is true. (laughs) The rumors are true. So one question that we always ask our guests on the show to kind of get an idea of one's journey and what brought you to where you are now is what was little Ashley like? Okay. So I was a ham. Uh, (laughs) Like I like making, like putting on shows, making videos, making my family watch me do stuff. Um, And like goofy. And then also uh, hypersensitive, I would say. (laughs) Really? In what way? Um, Like, uh, Not for myself, but like, I didn't like to see anyone getting picked on in school. I didn't like to see any like one hurting, oh, normal stuff. No one likes to see anyone hurting animals. I just had a lot of feelings. (laughs) A lot of feelings. So empath, shall we say? That's a better word. Yes. Perfect. So when you say that you were a ham, were you a performer growing up? Did you have that performative element? Yes, but never like in a, in a public forum, just for my family and friends. Oh, so a reserved audience. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I love that. So you mentioned um, when we were chatting that you moved around a lot when you were a child. Can you speak to that? Yes. My dad was in the army. So we moved some year, like we moved every 10 months for consecutive years. I spent um, like all of middle school though, for like three years, I spent in South Korea. Um, I was born in Germany and then lived all over the U.S. That's incredible. How did moving so many different places shape you? Um, I think it gave me an ability to kind of be friends with any group of people. Uh, It made me, it obviously gave me a lot of exposure to different cultures, uh, different family dynamics. Uh, It was really, I really cherished my experience moving around that much. Um, I can tell like the differences between like other military families I know versus kids that grew up in the same house their whole life. It helps you make fast friends. It helps you be more adaptable. 
um, yeah. What ages were you um, moving around? I mean, my whole life, I, so I was, I was born in Germany and we didn't stop moving. Uh, when, my, when I was in high school, my dad got stationed in Alabama, but they didn't have Title VI yet. So girls couldn't play sports there, which is kind of crazy. Um, that feels like that should have happened to like a hundred years ago, but that was like 20 years ago. But anyway, so my mom and my brother and I moved to Tampa so, so I could do high school in one place that had uh, like Title IX, it's Title IX or Title VI, but allowed girls sports. And then after that, he, um, he got stationed in Tampa after that. And then I went to college after that. So in high school is when I stopped moving so much. Oh my gosh. What sports did you play? Uh, tennis and volleyball. Did I you played really? in, so I had the uh, amazing experience of being an athlete in South Korea, where I was double the size of all the women that I played with. So I thought I was a baller. So I played basketball in South Korea and I scored like 70% of my team's points. And I was like, this is who I am. I'm an Olympian and this is my path. <laughs> and then I came back to the States and uh, like, like made a, a JV basketball team and realized I have no skills and I'm no longer a giant. But for those years in Korea, I was like living my best life. Oh dominating my gosh, all the funny. sports. Yeah. And you had um you had a, a stint of celebrity in Korea. Oh yeah, I did. I was the voice of a cartoon apple. Um, Amazing. So how did was, this come about? It was I had a I had a, a little girlfriend who had the stereotypical like um like Asian cartoon voice, the really, really high pitched voice that you hear in a lot of like anime. And so because of that, she did a lot of voiceovers. And so they were doing a show where they were teaching Korean kids how to speak English. So just because I was her friend, she brought me and one other kid from our class. And, and the show was about fruit teaching Korean kids how to speak English. So I would go in a recording studio and just say, I'm an apple, I'm round, I'm red. And then we'd sing a song about being fruit. And I got 60 bucks an hour, which is awesome when you're 11. I feel like that gig nowadays would be amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. Right. So when you were in high school playing sports, at what point did you, did you know back then that you wanted to get into medicine? No, no, I had no, like, no, I've, I've always had Peter Pan syndrome and like never imagined myself as a grown up. Even now at 36, I'm still like, like have no idea, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about what I was going to be when I was in high school, um, which is kind of crazy. But then in college, I wanted to work in an adoption agency. So all of my undergrad was lending towards a career in social work. And then I found Chinese medicine. How did you find Chinese medicine? I, I, um, I started reading some books about alternative medicine and kind of learning about some of the like conspiracies of the pharmaceutical industry and started getting angry and passionate about it. And then there, there's a Chinese medical school in Orlando close to UCF. Uh, and I, I forget how I found out about the school, but I had an old volleyball injury from a broken collarbone. And so I went to the school, it was like 30 bucks to get treated by the students there. And I tried it. And I, after I got treated, I never had the pain again in my shoulder. And I was like, what is this voodoo? This makes no sense. It was so, the results were so phenomenal and so fast that I, my degree was in nonprofit management. So as soon as I graduated, I found there's a nonprofit acupuncture clinic in Orlando that I went to work for just doing like managerial type of stuff just to be around the medicine. Um, and that's where in the, in the bio, it says I, there was these two kooky doctors I worked under that could treat everything with like one, two treatments. It was just made me more excited about the medicine. That's amazing. And how long were you at that practice? I was at that practice for two years. And then I started my master's while I was there. And I did one more year part-time while I was in school. Um, and I got to see a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. What is the craziest thing that you've seen? Like seen treated? 
Or, yes. So the, I mean, so when I was doing, we had to do like a residency three years in a, in a clinic and the, our professors who were physicians would also see patients out of this clinic. So they would, they would watch us to make sure we were doing a good job and then we would watch them to learn. So the patients they saw over and over again, I saw people coming in with cancer, which I would have never believed unless I witnessed it myself. But there was a, like one woman I remember had a tumor on her face and she came in three times a week for like maybe four weeks. And at the end of that, it was gone. And I saw this over and over again. And whenever they would go back to their oncologist, their oncologist would always just be like, oh, we, we must have misdiagnosed. Like, there's no way. But you see it enough times. And again, like, I was like, why aren't we on the news? Like, this should be a big deal. But it's not, we, we legally cannot say that we um, can treat cancer. Um, I, I, don't, I think a lot of physician, physicians are not allowed to say that. But I witnessed it. And I wouldn't have believed it unless I saw it. Oh my gosh. So it has to kind of come from the patient. The patient has to initiate going yes. to the acupuncturist and, because you and, guys aren't allowed to, to ad, not advertise, but to speak on that. Right. And the, the, the student run clinic, we attracted a lot of people, lower income or immigrants that couldn't, that couldn't afford to be seen like more expensive types of medicine. Um, so again, like most of the people that we saw for cancer were just people that couldn't afford it or didn't have healthcare to go get Western treatment. And they probably were better off um, without yeah, because the chemo. It's, because it's so effective. Yes. That's so crazy. So what is the, the shortest time period that you've seen something like that be healed and versus the longest time period that something's so, been healed? For, I've, so like in those, the, the patients that I saw with like cancer or tumors, I mean, they were coming in regularly for like, a month or so, which is pretty short. Like it's actually really short. And they were also on herbs and stuff like that. Um, some of like the shorter ones, like some of the stuff I've seen in my own practice is like uh, idiopathic pain. When a patient's like, I've had severe back pain for 15 years and no doctor can figure it out. Every MRI and x-ray shows there's nothing wrong. And then they get treated once and all their pain's gone. And they're like, what the hell? <laughs> so um, I see that a lot with chronic pain. That's amazing. The, the craziest case I had myself was a gentleman whose kidneys were failing. He was in his seventies, he was obese and they were gonna put him on um, dialysis. And I think I really believe he wanted to die at the time because he told his wife and his caretakers, I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna give acupuncture a shot for two months and if it can't help me then whatever. Like, I don't think he really cared. So he came in to see me and like, he wouldn't he wouldn't give me anything. He wouldn't change his diet. He wouldn't take herbs. He was just like, I'm getting needled and that's it. And he came in for two months. And when he went back to uh, his specialist, all of his levels normalized and he didn't have to go on dialysis. And that was shocked me because um, the pressure of like, I'm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. So you, you mentioned herbs. What other modalities do you combine with your acupuncture practice? So cupping, I'm like a really aggressive cupper. I have a big Instagram following just for the cups, which is like the easiest, most effective modality ever. And then the majority of our schooling is, is the needles, the acupuncture diagnosis and then herbology, um, which is just using Chinese herbs to make different formulas. So it's essentially three prong. So yes. I've experienced cupping. It is probably one of my favorite you know, treatments. Um, but for someone who might not be familiar with it, can you explain what cupping is? So it is a, it's just using negative pressure to bring blood into uh, muscle tissue. So some people, so it, it's a bowl, like a glass bowl. Some people use plastic ones that are on a vacuum or on a hand pump. I do it the old fashioned way with fire. Uh, and so you put the fire in the bowl, take the fire really out really quick, 
put the bowl on the muscle tissue and the fire makes all the oxygen uh, evaporate and it, the vacuum lifts up the muscle and squeezes it and holds it. And you have, you're left with like, when you're done, like a purple circle, which we saw Michael Phelps in the last summer Olympics. And now it's getting really trendy, like with a rock post pictures of his cupping marks and like all these celebrities. Um, and Japan actually started making cupping uh, cups in the shape of hearts, which I really want. I really want cups in my initials so I can brand all my patients oh, cool. someday, <laughs> someday. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so awesome. So when, when you're done cupping, you're left with, you know, different shades of purple and red on one's, on one's skin, wherever you um, are cupping, what do those different colors mean? So it's, it's just, it shows you how blood is moving in the muscle tissue. So when someone has pain, generally it's either because the muscle tissue is ischemic, so it's in spasm. So it's so tight, no blood can get in. And that's when the marks are going to be really pale. And that's what you see on like a lot of my migraine patients or headache, chronic headache patients. They're usually uh, no color. Healthy color would be bright red. Cause that means like moving oxygenated blood. And then when you have tear, like from either just from like people working out, like a lot of my CrossFit patients or athletes or trauma, car accidents, falls, that's when you see like the purple, blue, black. And that's where the muscle tore, blood went in, and then it can't, it, it just sits there and dies and loses the oxygen, which is why you see the dark color. So you're pulling out the old blood so new blood can come in and repair the damaged muscle tissue. Um, so with the spasm, you know, it's like pulling water into dough. So that way it will soften. And then with the other, with the dark colors, it's pulling out old blood so new blood can come in and repair. And usually everybody has a mix of all three on their back at any time. Um, and then when I'm, when I'm doing it, I'm looking for the dark ones. And then, the and then when you see a dark circle, what do you do in your practice? If I, so once I, I see it, then I surround it. So then I'll do a couple rounds of cups to try to cover the whole area to see if I can pull up everything. So when in your practice, you start with acupuncture and then you end the session with cupping. Yes. Which is probably wrong, but I, I like, it's programmed in my brain to do it that way because the even though most people are more scared of the needles, the cupping is way more of a sensation. We'll say it's like yes. way more aggressive. People are always like, Oh my God. And so after acupuncture, everybody's like zinned out and relaxed. And they're like, you really should do cupping first. Um, but I can't, I can't, it's like muscle memory. I don't know why it's like Zoolander can't turn left. I can't cup first. But honestly, I feel like the cupping for me, it's a very strange sensation and there's definitely pressure involved, but I find it to be like releasing pressure. I find it to be very comforting pressure. To me, it feels like a hug. Yeah. And some people love it, especially people who like deep tissue massage. And then some people like cuss me out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I think I can generally tell who's going to like it and who's not. Um, but yeah. That's so funny. I called my parents after the first time I saw you and, um, I was like, dad, you would love this mom. Ooh, not so much, you know, different, different preferences. Yeah. Yeah. Covers the whole gamut. So how many patients do you see in a day or in a week? In a week? I mean, and, and it, it fluctuates so much because I make my own schedule, but I could anywhere between like 20 and 40. That's amazing. That's quite a gap. It's a huge gap. Yeah. And it's, it's not, I mean, I can work as much or as little as I want now, which is really nice. It took me like five years to get here. Um, but yeah, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm trying to get my, my gimmick is that I, I try to get patients better very quickly with like one to three treatments. So I'm not setting patients to come in twice a week for 10 weeks, the way a lot of practitioners do. Um, 
for my, my ego's sake, I want them to get better really quickly and then trust me and tell all their friends that I'm awesome and they were better in one treatment and then their friends come in and see me. Um, and so that's my whole thing is developing trust and not necessarily through tons of sessions. That's amazing. I feel like that's how medicine should be. Right. It should be. Yeah, it correct. should be about healing. It should be about let's get you, you know, feeling better, feeling hundred percent and moving on as quickly as possible. And I will like, so when I'm nervous like that, I'm like going to be like selling out other acupuncturists or like screwing people over. But when I was in school, they would literally show us a protocol for like, say like, I don't know, like tennis elbow. And they'd be like, all right, you can definitely cure this in four treatments, but you got to eat. So you tell them 10 and I'm like, but so, uh, but then I feel like that does the medicine such a disservice. Cause like, it's so much cooler. If you get better in one, you could have got better on your own in 10 weeks. You know, um, I feel like it speaks so much more to the effectiveness of the medicine, obviously. I agree. And I also think that there's no shortage of people who are going to need healing. And even people who have healed from one injury could, you know, be involved with another one the next day. So it's not like you'll necessarily lose patients. No, nope, people get hurt all the time. CrossFit keeps me busy. <laughs> So what are the different types of patients that you see? Cause you have quite a few different funnels into your business through word of mouth. Yes. So I, um, for, for two years, I worked with neurologists and I specialized in pretty much migraines. And that was kind of by accident. A neurologist who specialized in migraines had a headache that he couldn't get rid of. So like as a last ditch effort, he tried voodoo lady and I was able to get rid of it. So he brought me into his practice. So for two years, I did just like a ton of migraine patients. And it's like so effective. Like most of my migraine patients can see me like three times a year to mitigate any migraines. And then, but most people know acupuncture for pain, back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, neck pain. Uh, that I, that's a bulk of my practice. And then, and then I would say almost 40% maybe is probably fertility. Wow. That's, that's yeah. incredible. That yeah. For t- acupuncture gets a ton of credit amongst Western medicine when it comes to fertility. So they will, they will like funnel patients to uh, Eastern medical practitioners. That's amazing. And you had a connection to a school as well. Yes. That's how, so when I started my practice, when I was a baby acupuncturist and like, didn't know what to do or how to get patients, I put like a magnet on my car, like a sticker that just had my business name that I got made fun of a lot for having on my car. But uh, a, a person saw me and uh, asked me to come give a lecture to the staff of Tampa Prep, a private high school around here. And then they paid me to come in and treat all their teachers. That high school's awesome. They took like such good care of their staff. From that, they uh, I started teaching an acupuncture course to high schoolers, adjunct to kinesiology course, which I never thought, like I never thought, like it was my dream to go into a high school. I actually like looked to volunteer because when I was in high school, I didn't know what my options were for healthcare. So I taught there. And then from there, um, all those kids became patients, their parents, all the teachers, and it kind of spiderwebbed out um, and really helped. That's amazing. So therapists see a therapist. You're an acupuncturist. Do you see an acupuncturist? I know. I've been my own acupuncturist for like 15 really? years. And wow. I, to, to my credit, I have had no health issues, but I still feel like I should get my own. But that is amazing that you can practice on yourself. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. I don't think I have the stomach for that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to do it to myself. I, maybe I could make it, maybe trick myself into doing it to someone else, but not to myself. We'll have to try next time I see you. I'll bring some needles. Oh gosh. I, think I, I should have kept my mouth shut. That's oh, how when we started in school, so you start practicing needling on fruit 
like the like an orange because it's hard to penetrate and then you move to your own legs so for like the first couple of months you're just needling yourself and, oh. and then your and then your classmates and then the people in the clinic so you mentioned that in order to go to an acupuncture school you have to have a degree before you go there what is you the have- what is the what is the path of of becoming an acupuncturist so I, I suspect the path is just having the check, honestly. But they, you have to have a bachelor's. You have to do an interview process. You have to write a paper. You have to provide, um, like, uh, what's, it, what's it called when you get people to speak on your behalf? Like a reference, references. Yeah, references. references all of that, all of that. Um, but I, I suspect they let anyone in who will pay the tuition. But you do have to have a bachelor's to get in. You do. Okay. And how long is the acupuncture program? So it is four years. um, But you can also, you can elect to do like a, you can elect to do a program that's longer so you can work or you can elect to do one that's shorter, but like 60 hours a week. So it's a little bit flexible. That's awesome. And there is a program in Florida, near Orlando that you mentioned. How many acupuncture academies, so to speak, universities are there in the States? In in Florida alone, there's, I believe there's four. There's three I know of for sure, but there's quite a few in Florida. And then there's a ton in Oregon and California because they're closest to China. Um, and then there's a bunch in Texas and New York. And I think that my, in Hawaii has one on the beach that looks amazing. Um, oh my gosh. But yeah, but yeah, Florida has a ton. That's amazing. So you mentioned earlier that it took you five years to get into your schedule. What did that five years look like? Was that because you were working, you've always worked for yourself. How did you figure out and hack your own schedule to make it so amazing in what you want it to be now? Well, it just, somebody told me when I first started that if you have your own business, that's like relies on a clientele, it takes two years to break even and five years to make money, which is kind of exactly how it happened. Um, and I just, it just took me that long, I think, to build a community, like to see enough people that trust me and then them tell their friends and tell their friends. So that way there's always like an influx of people texting me, asking for appointments. That's awesome. How do you clientele? How do you go about getting new clients? I, I do nothing. I just try really hard to make sure all my, anyone that comes in leaves feeling better. So your whole yeah. business is word of mouth. It's all. It's all word of mouth. I ha- well, I had the magnet on my car. And then also, um, I love that, by the way, <laughs> I love that because it just shows how committed you are to your craft and just how shameless, like you were in promoting your business. I mean, in high school, I passed around flyers to make people's like, you know, prom jewelry. Like I get it. I love oh, that so much. About hustler. You. Hustler. You have to, right? Yeah. And I mean, I did. So I always have needles in my purse. So like, I, like, uh, I would needle people at bars, at restaurants, at hair salons. I would eavesdrop and be like, Oh, did you say you have a sore throat or do you have an ear? And I would go up and needle people and like a, like a, like a magician, like do tricks and stuff. And, um, what was I going to say about marketing? I lost it. Anyway, you had your magnet on your car and word of mouth, word of mouth. Um, Oh, and then the ear dike. So when you first start school, part of our diagnosis is like, we, we look at your tongue, we check your pulse, but a big part is in the ear. And we have something called ear seeds, which is like, it's just a vicarious seed on a sticker. So if you've got, so you can read, there's a entire map of your body on your ear and you can see where there's pain by the veins. And so you can put a sticker on the affected vein and when people squeeze it, it should alleviate the pain for them. So when, before, when we started school, before we were allowed to see 
uh, patients, they would take us to like expos and malls and stuff and like have people line up to get their ears read as kind of like a way to get people interested in Chinese medicine. So that's also, I would, I would be like at like a baby shower somewhere and I'd be like, oh, do you have sciatica? Or do you have like plantar fasciitis from their ears? And everyone would be like, are you a psychic? Or, and, um, and then I would give them my cards. So like I said, being a ham, yeah. Being a ham and liking the attention and, and then having like a tool, like, cause it actually works. Um, it's fun. I like to teach people how to look at each other's ears and tongues and stuff. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll have to, I'll have to book two sessions and we have a lot of things to cover in my next session with you. I can share, I have a, I have a video on my Instagram, but it's like, it's like reading ears for dating, like stuff you want to look for in a, in, when you're dating in someone's ears. I, when I was like, it's still in school. I went on like a, like a match.com date or something with this dude. And it was our first date at like an Applebee's and I had too many, too many glasses of wine or whatever. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't go on another date with you because I can tell from your ears, you're going to die young, which is like, it's the worst. Oh it's so crazy. my gosh. That, that's why I preface the wine because that is such a crazy, unlike terrible thing to say to somebody, but it was. Oh my God. That is insane. And now I'm, I'm like so excited, but also terrified to have you yeah. look in my ears. I'm not going to tell anyone what that marker is because I don't want people looking at their friends and family and freaking out. But I feel like our last conversation was a quite morbid. So I feel like you can, this is safe space. We can, <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can talk about things like this. I know, but I would hate for someone to go home and like, look at their mom's ears and be like, Oh no. Oh, it's true. But- it's true. <laughs> So what's I I think so amazing about your story is that you started practicing, you started your own practice immediately. Can you talk about your first space where you were able to practice on your own? Yeah, I was, um, I was just, I was calling up acupuncturists that already had practices, seeing if they wanted somebody else. And then I was, I was going to like gyms and yoga, anywhere, just knocking on the door. Like, do you have a space I can rent? And I was outside of a yoga studio, um, like knocking, like trying to get, and somebody came up to me and asked what I was doing. And they were like, oh, this medical spa that I go to had an acupuncture that just left and they're looking for somebody. Um, so I went over there and they hired me on the spot and like, it was a 50, 50 split. So I didn't have to pay any rent. So they took 50% of what I made, which means they were incentivized to build my book for me. And that was like, an ideal place to start if you don't have a clientele already. Um, and it was I interesting because it was all, you know, it was all very wealthy people coming in to get like Botox and filler. Um, but I was able to build a nice clientele base there. I love it. And so how many people do you think you, you built relationships with at that particular practice? Oh man, at least, I mean, I mean, out of the people that work there or my clientele? Your clientele. Oh, I, I mean, couple hundred at least. That's amazing. Yeah. And then some, and then that's what my first place. And a lot of those patients I had there have still followed me into every office I've had over the years. That's awesome. What was your next office after that? After that? Oh, the broom closet. I, so I, that's in North Tampa. And then, so I wanted, I wanted one closer to the city. And so again, same thing, just looking at, looking at people's businesses. And this uh, woman had a Pilates school gym, gym, I guess thing. And right when you walk in, she had this really beautiful broom closet that had French doors on it, but then just brooms. And so I was like, would you be willing to rent me this office? And she was like, oh, I never thought of that. Sure. And she charged me like $300, which is insane for an office in South Tampa. Like, and like she could have easily asked me for a grand. 
but $300 to have an office like in South Tampa. So that was my next office. So I had both for a long time, the one in North Tampa that was split and then that one in South Tampa. Wow. So how did you manage your schedule having both? I, I mean, again, because I'm a contractor, I just made, uh, made my own. I would just pick, um, I think I actually might've gone to both every day for a while and just split wow. some days in the morning and some days in the evening. Yeah. Wow. And so right now you have um, a program online where people can go and book themselves online. Did you always have that sort of system? No, I, no, I was perpetually double, triple booking myself. I could not manage, like, I could not, like, I still, even now I struggle because I get people, you know, on uh, texting me, leaving me voicemails, emails, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, like all four appointments. And I, so um, I try to make it like really loud and clear that now you can book yourself. Please don't depend on me to book your appointment for you. People still, I can still handle some of it, but that's so only how many in the last year and a half. I was going to say, so you, for the majority of your career, you were managing, I mean, that's a full-time job in and of itself, managing a schedule. And I was, and I was barely managing my schedule. Like I, I can't imagine all of the clients I lost because I like didn't, I missed their call or something. But yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. So then after the, how long were you in the broom closet? <laughs> I was in the broom closet for two years, three, two or three years. Yeah. And you did both offices for how long? I did both offices for two, two years. And then, uh, and then I, I, like I said, I always, always had two offices, one in North Tampa, one in South Tampa. So it was the medical spot and then the broom closet. And then it was the broom closet and the neurologist office. Um, like that, I always kept two. That's awesome. And then what was the next chapter? The next chapter was me uh, renting a dually zoned house that had uh, four bedrooms that I used as offices and trying to like expand and see multiple people at once and, uh, and then have everything. I stopped doing two offices because I found that North Tampa people will drive south, but South Tampa people won't drive north. So South ah, Tampa is where I chose my practice. Noted. Yeah, no one wants to pass Kennedy. So uh, oh, interesting. And then I had the house uh, right up until COVID started. And then I panicked and got rid of it. <laughs> and now where are you? And now I'm at the best place I've ever worked, which is a wellness center called Kodawari in South Tampa. That is basically like it's a hot yoga gym. And it also has like a chiropractor and neurological muscular specialist and a bunch of other types of uh, therapists there, along with like saunas and ice baths and floating tanks and a Yoni steam room. It's like a, it's like a hippie utopia. It's amazing. And that's where you and I first met. I think yes. I looked back at my email. I think it was in July. Oh. I think it was in July. Um, but I was referred to you by my chiropractor, shout out Dr. Shane. And I mean, seeing you has just helped my overall health so, so much. I can't even say to, if you guys are in the Florida, Tampa area, and you're in the market for an acupuncturist, which I would argue that everyone is in some capacity. Like I highly, highly, highly recommend going to see Ashley because she's incredible. Oh, thank you so much. You're so welcome. So during the pandemic, you got rid of your, um, you know, larger practice, so to speak, moved to Kodawari, which is amazing. How else did your business shift during the pandemic? So I, I, so I, I got rid of the house to get rid of my overhead because it was much more having the house. And I, it, it's the busiest I've ever been. Um, like I thought it was going to die out, but people still get hurt even in quarantine. 
and during a pandemic, I've had, you know, I, I thought I've had in the past two years only four patients that have like long haul COVID symptoms. Like I was wondering, and, so, and then, um, and then we talked, and then some, you know, it had the, it has introduced a new type of patient now with the with COVID and with the vaccines and with everything. It's it's a, another, it's all new. It's a whole yeah. other beast. Yes. You you speak so fluidly and so beautifully on your social media accounts speaking not just to acupuncture but it's really like a holistic wellness like information that you offer to your followers and to your patients and you spoke recently about um a healing option for COVID. Can you speak to that? I appreciate you say I speak beautifully because I think I was comparing like cells to frat parties and ACE inhibitors to hot girls that can go into your cells. But like, I like that you gave me a lot more grace than I think I have, but. Um, well, I think you're, personally, I think you're, I personally think you're well-spoken and to oh, the you. fact that you break down science in such a way that makes it digestible for, you know, average folk like myself, I really just appreciate the work that you put out into the world. So yeah, tell us more well, about that. Oh, okay. So the, well, the, that video was about dandelion extract. And so as a, a hobby of mine, I like to look at studies that are going on in other countries because they have so much more going on. Like they're treating, you know, there's a study in Germany where they were curing diabetes with like sugar and rice. Like there's just so many crazy, I'm being off topic, so many crazy studies out there, but there's so out of Germany and Japan, they found that dandelion leaf, leaf, uh, can block spike protein, which spike proteins are the uh, the antagonist on the COVID cell that is doing all the damage. It blocks them from ever permeating your cells. And the they did a study in Germany and in Japan, and I think in Brazil, where basically if you're taking this supplement, you can, one, if you have COVID, it cannot damage your respiratory system or your renal system, your kidneys, which makes it no longer deadly. And it can prevent you from ever getting it. And like they literally, the study was like, if you take this supplement, with any type of citrus every day, it would literally be impossible to catch COVID, which is very exciting. And it like should be all over the news. Uh, now it's just on my Instagram page, but the-, the <laughs> Also the, a source of news. Also a source of news, but they, so, and the dandelion, the, what they were using was four to 10 grams, three times a day, which is like like 12 to 30 grams of dandelion leaf is, is so much. So they sell an extract, like a little dropper where you get way more of a concentrated dose. That's what I have. Um, so now, now how many drops do you take with citrus? So okay. I, so citrus, I mean, I just eat citrus every day anyways, cause, um, I don't like plant it. And then with the dropper I do, I'm, I'm doing like the max amounts, but I do it all at once. Cause I can't I remember three times a day. So I just, uh, mm -hmm. down the so you don't, you don't even, um, put it in water. You just like consume yeah, just, the tincture all like right away. Yeah. It's actually, it's pretty sweet. It's not what I expected dandelion to taste like. I mean, it's not delicious, but it's not hard to get down. So how many pulls would you say that you do? <laughs> so I, I mean, I don't even like read it. I'm not even sure how much I'm taking. I just take a lot every day and I'm like, eh, the more, the better. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't hurt yourself. Yeah. I'm just curious. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. I probably do like three whole droppers. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you notice a difference in how you felt? I mean, you're such a healthy person already, but did you have you, did you notice a difference in your body so, when you started taking that? It's like I said, it's hard to say because I feel good all the time. But what I'm curious to see is because dandelion uh, is used in, in Chinese medicine to treat the liver and the liver in Chinese medicine uh, controls the stress and your menstrual cycle is with 
specifically PMS symptoms. So like the moodiness, the breast tenderness, the pain. So I'm curious to see on myself and my patients that are all taking this, how it affects uh, PMS. So I'm looking forward to seeing, because theoretically oh it should remedy most of the symptoms. I volunteer as tribute to be one of those patients. I volunteer as tribute. Yes. And it also, the liver also controls the eyes. So anybody who suffers from like red itchy eyes should notice an improvement there as well. Wow, incredible. How do you stay relevant with your education? I feel like you're constantly like absorbing new information. Um, well, because whenever the, my patients, a lot of it's that way. If somebody comes in with a really unique case, that I'm always reading, like I'll put needles in them and just start reading about their case. And then also I work a lot with getting people off of their meds. There's like a lot of pharmaceutical meds out there that are only hurting people. Um, so I try to be pretty vocal about the side effects of medication and alternatives that are natural. Um, That's amazing. So, I mean, similarly, my collections are often um, inspired by the custom work that I get on the yeah. side, your, your education is, is inspired by the patients that come into your office. Yes. And what, what kind of, what the pulse is on the public at the, at any point in time. Exactly. Like I found a crazy Crohn's disease study. So if you know, Crohn's is, can be like a debilitating, uh, uh, digestive issue. And there's a chemist in Germany who figured out that eating 11 pieces of stale bread soaked in milk like what, whatever the, the molecular structures of stale bread and milk is the perfect uh, like antagonist to whatever Crohn's is. And he cured his own Crohn's disease and I cannot get any of my patients to do it. And I'm like, what do you got to lose? Like I would do it if I had Crohn's. But so if anyone's, kidding. if anyone's listening to this, it's 11, I don't know why it's 11. That's so much stale bread that's been soaked in milk. And it sounds gross, but it's, it's, the, it's the chemical components of stale bread and milk together that's supposed to cure Crohn's. So somebody, 11 pieces a day? Oh no, one, just one time. You just do it once and it cures Crohn's. That's why it's so crazy. And so somebody please do it and tell me what happened. Cause all I have is this one guy, this chemist story in Germany, but I want someone to try it so bad. Oh my gosh. Well, I might have some people to send your way. So stay okay. tuned. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. Okay, I have another one that I want people to try. Can I do that? Yes, <laughs> please. No, tell have, us okay. everything. Oh, I will. Oh, I will. Okay, so another one is menopause. So north, so the symptoms, the negative symptoms associated with menopause, hot flashes, mood swings, pain, is is only happening in like North and South America. There's like countries all over the world where women do not experience menopause, which I don't think people realize. And so there's um. There's a theory by the medical medium, which we won't get into, but so he, I read something he wrote that was like, it is, so, so as women, once women hit menopause, their bones start shrinking and the, uh, the, the offput of bone, so excuse me, heavy metals store in your bones. And then when you go through menopause and your bones start shedding that heavy metal, it goes into your bloodstream. And that the negative symptoms of menopause are actually just a reaction to the metal toxicity in your blood. So there's, uh, if you haven't heard of chelation, chelation just means anything that you can put in your body to estrange heavy metals out of your body. So like cilantro is a chelator, but they also have all these different types of herbs and supplements that are chelation. You can do an IV, you can take a pill, you can do a suppository. And so I, again, on social media, I was like, has anyone ever used chelation to get rid of the symptoms of menopause? I can't find, I still can't find any studies on it. It's just this one theory. So I posted that and like six or seven women wrote me and they were like, yo, this works. Like I had, I was suffering so much. I started chelation. Now I have no symptoms of menopause. I'm like, so that's something I try to tell everybody about because I want people to experiment with it and see if that's the case, which is so crazy 
because so many women are like taking hormones and getting like the yam implanted and like so many things. And um, chelation is like such an easy remedy. That's amazing. By the way, this is a medical medium friendly podcast. I did his 28 day cleanse. I think I pushed it to like 30 or 35, um, three years ago and it completely changed my life. So for those who are listening, who are interested in doing a really intense, but very, very fruitful, no pun intended detox, highly recommend medical medium. And I love that you follow his work as well. Yeah. So I read his books and I don't like, sometimes when I want to recommend some of his remedies to patients, it's like hard to explain who he is. And they're like, who is this doctor? But I will say um, the patients that I have convinced to do some of his remedies, a hundred percent of the patients who have done it have healed. Like I have a patient that had Lyme disease for 20 years. Nothing was helping her. She did the freaking the celery juice every morning. All her symptoms were gone in a week. Like it's too fast and too effective for it to be like not taken seriously. It's the best. I mean, I, when I drink celery juice in the morning on an empty stomach, it is always the best I ever feel. There was like a hot minute where like you could not find celery at the store. Like everybody was doing that. Yeah. It was, but I think, I don't know if that was just because of medical medium. I think there was some sort of like a diet cleanse fasting, you know, like beginning of the year, like new year, new you. Probably. It's it's the new year. Let's go on the diet. It was, I think it was one of those. I don't know if it was if it was truly medical medium. Oh, I'd like to think. I'd like to think so too. I'd like to think so too. <laughs> I'm curious what your AM and PM routines are because you are so healthy. You all you are so well rounded and just so self aware. I just love how yourself you are. Um, what do your mornings and evenings look like? <laughs> uh, so, like I said, I there's what I want them to look like. And then there's what they actually look like. The, so the, the only things that I'm regimented are is that I've been a vegan for like five years and I do take a bath every night, which a lot of people think is like a really like pampered princess thing to do. But I, like, I feel like I, like I have to, I think it has to do with like, kind of like getting the patients like energy and stuff. But um, that's the only thing that I'm really, really regimented about. Like I, there's, I have, I have, times where I'm meditating or times where I'm practicing Qigong, but for the most part, I'm like running around after my dog and like just throwing snacks on my purse and running out of the house. Um, How funny. So do you put anything in your bath? Do you do Epsom salts or anything like that? Yes. Yeah. Epsom salt. Every night? Not every night. How often? Probably once a week. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I love it. And so when you think of the term self-care, what does self-care mean to you? So I think self-care just means like self-love, which I'm just realizing like it's not necessarily like, like I said, like taking baths and getting massages and getting your nails done. I think it's uh, worrying about yourself the same way that you would worry about like a friend or a family member. Like how is this decision going to affect all of them instead of just yourself? That's so brilliant. What So what does self-care look like for you? Um, well... <laughs> one thing that I just discovered in the past year is booty yoga. And I don't know if you've heard of it, if you're out there, it is like, if you're looking at it, if you're watching it, it looks like twerk yoga, but what it, <laughs> but, but what it is, is it's, it's yoga designed to like open up all the chakras. So it's, you're listening to like club music and rap music, but you're doing yoga with tribal dance with like 
grinding and they don't, they don't like to use the word twerk they call you know but it's twerking like hitting the floor and it, you you're like doing these like banshee yells and screams the whole time i'm so obsessed with it it is like my religion like i have an unhealthy obsession but that like i like everyone in my life knows the schedule because everyone knows i'm not missing those classes like people will be like oh can you oh wait never mind that sunday you have but like everybody knows to respect that and that is like it's been the mo the most like rewarding, funnest thing I've done in a long time. That's it's a Dakota. church. It's my, it is my church. It really is so cathartic. I, it's un, like, it's hard to, you, you don't, until you do it, you don't get it. But uh, it's at Kodawari every Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday at 11.30 a.m. I think I'm in the market to join you this week. It's, oh yes, please. <laughs> I think come. I am. I think I'm free on Wednesday night, so it is, get ready. So if you, um, a lot of people, if you're familiar with like an, like an emotional release, which people usually like it happens in like with massage therapy, where you trap like trauma in your fascia or connective tissue. And then when people work on it, it releases and you don't even know. And that happens in acupuncture a lot too. Like I'll hit an acupuncture point and somebody will start weeping or something. Um, but, and I've witnessed it many times, but I've never experienced it until I did this class, which is the last, I never thought like listening to Cardi B twerking, I would be like oh, crying, but I was like, what the hell is going on? And so I told the teacher after, and he was like, that's, it's designed to do that. So all of the movement you do in your hips and all the undulations and stuff is like to break up stuck injury in your sacral chakra, which is where women, and then you, you like slam the floor and release it. And so I've cried in that class. Like a bunch of my girlfriends have cried. It's just crazy. You have to try it. Everyone. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. I I'm so like fun. one part terrified and then one part like really, really excited about it's it. It's so fun. Oh, and it is in a hundred degree room, which is that. my preference, by the way. I mean, when I moved to Florida, everyone was like, oh yeah, but the humidity, and I'm like, honestly, the humidity feels like a hug to me. Like I really, really like it. Yeah. You get used to it. And you know, it keeps, uh, it keeps you looking young because it keeps your skin moist all the time, all that sweat. <laughs> and then sister. So I'm curious, what does your support system look like? Who are your people? Oh, well, so the people at Kodawari is like a, the family I never knew I needed. Um, like I said, they're, they're all amazing. Like it's just pure love. Everyone there's like so loving and like have done all this work on themselves. It really is like the, like I'm there every day, seven days a week. Um, and then I, and then I have in Tampa, I mean, I have like the best, the best girlfriends I could ever ask for. I've been really, really lucky. And, and then also I feel like my patients are my support system. Like they, uh, they're always championing me and like, they, they've really, they built my business. Like they are always posting about me on Instagram or Facebook or like forcing their family to come in and see me. And then obviously my, my parents and my brother, they're in Sarasota, but yeah, I've been super fortunate with support. I, I love that. And your, your brother and your father do very important work. Can you share that? Oh, sure. So my, my dad was a colonel in the army and when he retired. He started an organization uh, to rehabilitate wounded special forces soldiers. So uh, basically getting them anything that they need in their life to like assimilate back into like a normal, happy lifestyle. So I used to, um, and my brother works for my dad. I used to work in the sports division. So like if a guy was really into scuba diving and now he's back from at the time Iraq and has no legs, then I would find him uh, the resources to still scuba dive without legs. So the equipment he needs, a facility that would take him out. Um, but yeah, but it goes always like their house, their activities, jobs, sports, anything they need. That is so, that's so incredible. Yeah, it's, it, is, is, it is incredible. And you know, like we're wondering because he started this, God, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. And well, now we're like, well, it, it shouldn't be a business that lasts forever because we should, 
at some point soldiers should stop coming back hurt. You know, like eventually wars are supposed to end, but unfortunately he's still working. Right. Well, huge thank you to him for his service and for his continued work and same to your brother. It's just, it's so, so that is such purposeful work. I'm very grateful for people like them who do that type of work. Yeah. So incredible. Yeah. And you. Oh. <laughs> um, so how has built, building your practice in Tampa shaped your career specifically? I don't, I don't know. I love Tampa. Like, I just feel like I've been really, really lucky. I don't know, obviously, what it would have been like um, in, in anywhere else. I know, so in Florida, acupuncturists are primary care physicians. We have like a huge scope. Um, so we, so, and I feel like that has allowed me to have more patients probably than I would anywhere else. Just the title kind of brings more trust. That's amazing. Yeah. What is the youngest patient that you've ever seen? The youngest one is four and mm -hmm. uh, for, for cupping. And then for acupuncture, the youngest was six. How early do you recommend going for either treatment? Well, so we talked about this last time in Chinese medicine, comparing Chinese medicine to Western medicine. They say in Western medicine, they do like surgery pills, then they go to diet and then they go to prayer. And it's supposed to be the opposite. You're supposed to go like prayer, then diet and herbs, then acupuncture cups, then surgery and pharmaceuticals. So for kids, I, I mean, you, you want to put off as long as you can, like they should just be getting nutritious diets and getting outside and, and then like herbs if they need, um, and, and cupping and needles would be like last resort. That's so, awesome. Yeah. How many, uh, what is the oldest patient that you've seen? 99. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And what was yeah. the healing process for someone of that age? I mean, he just had back pain. And so I've noticed with uh, older patients, they heal, they get so much out of it because I think nobody's touching them. Like I have a gentleman who was in his late eighties who got cupping once on his hip and he canceled a hip replacement surgery. And I think, and, and he just, he just needed blood flow. But I think when people see the elderly, they just assume they're just falling apart. So they're going to need a replacement or drugs, but just even like getting blood moving can do so much. That's amazing. That is so amazing. If someone wanted to get into the acupuncture industry, what would your advice be to them? So my, so my advice would be one, just to just do it, just go start school. Cause like, you're never going to be ready. It's such crazy. But also I think, I don't know the stick. I think a lot of people don't realize what the acupuncture degree entails. Like they think maybe it's more like a massage therapist or it's like a weekend course. Like I've had a lot of people be like, I think I'm going to be an acupuncturist. Like how, how long is school? And when I say four years, they're like, Oh, forget that. But it is, it's uh, I mean, it's a difficult course. You have to take boards similar to that of like, maybe like, an, like you have to know your Western pathology your Western pharmacology. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot of schooling. So I think as long as you're willing to do the work, it'll be like the funnest time of your life going to acupuncture school. It's so fun. Um, and yeah, just to jump in. That's my advice. Jump in and be prepared to work. And I love the path that you took with, you know, partnering with other companies that you know, to start and build your book in that regard. Is that how you would advise someone who wanted to, you know, or maybe someone who is, who just finished acupuncture school and is like, great, I'm now I'm ready to go into the real world and, and make a name for myself. 
Yeah, that's unless if, if so, if you can find a broom closet that costs $300 a month, that's ideal. If you can't, <laughs> if, you, if you can't do that, then yeah, finding somebody that will split with you. So you're never in the hole. That's awesome. It's probably, yeah. What are your hobbies? Booty yoga. Yes. <laughs> that's like my whole life now. I'm obsessed. Um, and then like, I like, I used to be really into tennis and paddleboarding and doing other kinds of yoga, but now it's just like, it's booty yoga and like partying with my girlfriends. I love ping pong. <laughs> I saw that on your so, Instagram the other day. I'm so into, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's and, awesome. <laughs> so what is next for Ashley, the person and Ashley, the acupuncturist? So like we were talking about on Wednesday, I, I get this question a lot and people ask me a lot, like, are you going to expand? Are you going to open a clinic and hire a bunch of acupuncturists underneath you? People, are you going to teach a course? Are you like, and I, and I, with within myself, I'm trying to look at what is complacency and what is contentment because I love my life right now. Like it's perfect. I've tried to minimize responsibility as much as I can. Um, and I just get to like my, my job feels like play. And so I feel so grateful. I don't want to mess with it. So I'm, and I'm still, I'm still looking at myself, like, are, like, are you scared or are you really just loving your, like, I don't know, but right now I want everything to stay the way that it is. And I don't think I ever want to expand. <laughs> I think that that's so beautiful. I feel like there's, like I said, there's such a self-awareness that you have. And even the, the self-awareness to ask yourself, am I just being complacent or is this actually my happy place? Like that conversation alone is just so impressive. And there's so many people who, you know, go throughout their lives and keep reaching for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then at the end of their life, they're like, but was I really happy? And I feel like for you, you're putting your happiness first and then you're allowing everything else to fall into place afterwards. Yes. Yes. Which is I, like, you've hacked life. Do you know this? Like, do I you realize this? Like you have, you have, I honest to goodness think that you figured it out. I feel like I've been given the golden ticket. Like, like I feel guilty. That's how much I like my life. Well, <laughs> I please don't feel guilty. Just share it with the world as you are. I mean, it's just, you know, even, you know, the people that this show reaches, like it's so refreshing to meet someone who is so young, but still so experienced and so sure of herself. I feel like, I truly feel like you've, you figured it out. Oh, thank you. You are so welcome. I mean, I'm, I'm just so impressed. I, I'm so impressed. You're so inspirational. I, I love, geez. I love that for everyone. <laughs> oh, you, well, you are inspirational. <laughs> it takes one to know one. So how can, how can we support you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Then you can see about all the experiments that I want you to do on yourself so I can get more data. Um, and then, from, and then if you just, you know, the next time if you, if your back hurts, if you get a cold, if your allergies are bothering you before you take a pill or go see a Western doc, I would uh, encourage you to experiment with something different. I love that. And if you are in the Florida area, they can see you at Kodawari. Yes. Amazing. And your Instagram is Dr. Dr. Ashley Heinz. Yes. And then your website is AshleyHeinz.com. Amazing. Well, 
I just adore you. I could not be more obsessed with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing all this information. This is so invaluable. And I know that, you know, people are just going to be writing down uh, frantically on their notepads after listening to this episode, because you just have so much information and you just blessed us with so much, so many gems. No, Al, you're the best. Thanks for letting me talk about myself for an hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anytime. We should definitely do, we should do it. We should do this again for sure. <laughs> I would love to. Done and done. Holy smokes, folks. That was just the best. A special thank you to our guest, Dr. Ashley Heinz, for coming on the show and sharing so much information with us. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the content and the people that you love. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. Yeah.